want to welcome you this morning as we continue into defeating the giants. Look at your neighbor and say, defeating the giants. And today we're going to look at a familiar passage possibly, but the Lord will possibly speak something new to you, um, an exhorter by gifting. And so I'm going to put you in the word. I don't have any other choice. So are you ready? This morning we're going to speak of out of the cave. Someone say out of the cave into destiny. He does an alpha what he can, omega. Come on, somebody. He does an alpha, meaning he does not begin what he cannot finish. He is the beginning, he's the end, and he is everything in between. Anything you're waiting on, believing for, standing for, give him time to bring the omega because what he starts, he will finish. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. I'm going to read a little long discourse and then we'll pray. Elisha was afraid, 1 Kings 19 and 3, and he ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. Someone say all day. Then he sat down under a solitary broom tree, which has a different name in the Hebrew, I'll tell you, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my fathers who have already died. Then he laid down and he slept under the tree. But as he was sleeping, look at your neighbor and say, as he was sleeping. That had been a great title for this, as he was sleeping. An angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he laid down again. So he ate and he drank and he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more for the journey ahead is too much for you. So he got up, he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. How many like some food that would keep you for 40 days? Come on. Jesus said he was eating of something that they didn't know about. He had food from his father. How many know in worship this morning, you were eating some sustainment. You were eating some bread of life. You were drinking of the water of life. Because the Lord knows this week, the journey will be too much for you. That's not gloom or doom. That's Monday through Saturday when the dory gets honky. Come on, somebody. So he got up and ate and got the strength. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Out of the cave into destiny. Father, in the name of Jesus, we welcome your Holy Spirit. Speak, sir. Speak, sir, even what I do not say into the ears of my brothers and sisters. Come, Holy Spirit. Let this word be alive and living and active. Anoint it. Let us not leave the way we came in. And we won't fail to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. When God starts in you, he will complete in you. He's not a God who leaves anything half done. Can I get an amen? And today, may you be encouraged with God's use of the word again in Scripture. He says, again, I will rebuild you. Again, I will visit you. Again, I will restore you. Again, I will part seas, lower walls, defeat your enemy, and again, fill you with joy. Hallelujah, for his arm is not shortened that it cannot save. For what he has done before, he can do again. Somebody give him a praise in this house. He does an alpha what he can't 
Omega, out of the cave and into destiny. The times found them placed in an evil place. King Ahab was king of Israel and his wife Jezebel, whose name is synonymous. Don't ever name even a dog Jezebel. Come on, somebody. Synonymous with evil. Name that snake in the backyard. That'll work for you, Jezebel. Synonymous with evil. They were both so evil and the times were evil. And you may feel warred on every side. You may be pressed and persecuted. You may feel like you're backed into a corner. But God is moving in your life. Even when you don't see it, he's working. For all the taunts and the delays, nothing has been held back from you or prevented that God has promised. It might be detoured. It might be delayed. But it is not destroyed. I come with a word from the Lord that says the tide is turning somebody give the Lord a shout of praise the tide is turning and God did not raise up an army against Ahab and Jezebel God's ways are surprising he did not send a scintillating prince to argue with his royal words to impress the royal majesty of Ahab he did the unexpected he chose someone like you and I his name was Elijah in the book of James James says Elijah had a human nature like we do but he prayed that it would not rain for three and a half years and it did not rain come on somebody we focus on that didn't rain that's awesome but what I focus on he had a nature like me he had emotions he did not like come on somebody he had some things inside of him that were as human as last week's garbage come on somebody but he did the unexpected he said I will call one out of Tishbe. I will bring him out of nowhere. I'm going to tell you when God calls you to do something, he will provide you with everything you need. Can I get an amen? As Pastor Hank said, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Noah couldn't get all those animals. You ever tried to harass any two animals anywhere? Come on, somebody. Unless you've been trained with a circus. He got all those animals on the ark by God's power. Joseph could not preserve his life and get to the right hand of Pharaoh, but God made it happen. Moses didn't have the power to free Israelites, but God did it. Israel didn't have the power to defeat Jericho. David didn't have the power to defeat to fulfill the wish against Goliath. None of them had natural abilities to make it happen. But when God brings synergy into the earth, when God partners with people like you and me and Elijah, oh, Ahab and Jezebel are going to come down. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. God doesn't leave us to our own resources. He is not so unwise. He is not so unkind. He is not so unfaithful that he does not enable us to do it. Elijah's name for a brief moment of history comes from Elohim and comes from Jehovah. His name meant my God is Jehovah. That means the Lord is my God. When I'm up against a troop, Pastor Ramon, the Lord is my God. When I don't know how to do this or that, which is most of the time, the Lord is my God. Can I get an amen? 
And all of a sudden, he appears in the court of the king with Ahab and Jezebel out of nowhere. I love it when people said, I don't know where you came from. Well, I came from nowhere. Nowhere but being hidden in God. Come on, somebody. His origins were unknown, Gerald. But he came from, they can, can't even find Tishbe, but they can find Gilead. I'm sure Perry could preach a sermon on that. Gilead was known as a place of the desert. But when he appears before Ahab and Jezebel, when God brings him up to the stage, he is ready. When God brings you up to the stage of your life, whether that's comforting a co-worker, whether that's problem solving with your kids, there's never a nowhere that you come from. There's a place of abiding in the Lord that no one can see see in desert solitude experiences where God says to you in a moment out of Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, remember you not. Every time Pastor Billy calls me, he said, the new thing, Pastor Ron, don't be talking about the old thing. It's the new thing. Remember not the former things for behold, I, the Lord will do a new thing. Shall you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do I have anybody seeing a wasteland around them that you can give the Lord a shout of praise hallelujah that he is doing it and Elijah said as surely as the Lord God lives before who I stand there shall not be rain these three years God was showing I've got the power here oh Jesse and Ahab you think you're in charge but I'm going to bring a man out of nowhere to say when I speak again the rain will come and people would have maybe said to Elijah like they've said to you and I at different points in our life Man, you're hidden. You were born for more. If I had a wooden nickel, Pammy, for every time someone told me you were born for more. I thought, what do you think I'm going to be on? Fox News or something? Come on, I ain't born for that kind of news. You were born for more. We got to be careful telling people around us they were born for more because where God puts you is the supreme, anointed, solid, amazing place. If you've changed diapers all week, you are fitting yourself perfectly into the will of God. God's placement and God's plan is important. Look at your neighbor and say, it's important. You see, the making of a man or a woman is more important to God than rapid fire. So Elijah, I wished I could have been there in Gilead when he was back, because he was an older man when he came on the scene. I wish I could have been there when people said, you're so gifted, Elijah, as he's sweating out in the desert. Anybody ever sweated in the desert of your life? Anybody ever been in the wilderness spiritually and wondered where the next drink of cool water is? I know I'm not the only one, but I believe in that time God was putting things in him. I'm going to tell you something today that I've told you before. I was ministering for David Cooper and his wife in Georgia. He pastors the great Mount Perry in north now, central north. Uh, it goes all over the world in his messages. But we were fearing called to Cleveland, Brother Perry, and I asked David, why do you think God is calling Hank and I to Cleveland? And you know, you don't know the answer you get wasn't the answer you wanted until they tell you something else. You know what I'm saying? Then your heart is revealed. And he said, I'll tell you why God's calling you Cleveland. And later I, I realized that I thought he was going to say something like, because you're both just so cute. You're cute and you're anointed. And, and Hank Davis is a fire evangelist. He said, God's calling you to Cleveland because that's the best place that the Holy Spirit can kill you and resurrect you to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Oh, boy, if he didn't bust my spiritual bubble. And I'm going to tell you, Cleveland has killed me many times. Because you see, Holy Spirit is determined of making you like Jesus. Holy Spirit is not, he's not uh, obsessed 
with giving you a platform and giving you a place. He wants you to be like Jesus. So he keeps doing everything he can do to get you more like Jesus. And you wonder about Elijah. You're wondering in those dark days of the wilderness and the desert of Gilead what he thought God was doing in him. And then all of a sudden he appears. I love it when we say suddenly because there's really no suddenly with God. That's just suddenly we see it. God is always working. A long time of making a miracle in your life. Can you say amen? A long time of breaking us so we can fulfill his purpose. A long time of learning how to abide in the anointing. Look at your neighbor and say abide in the anointing. This is one of the things that Brother Benny Hinn told me and told us. He said, and I, Joni made me tell him something I've never told publicly. I'm not going to tell it now, but you'll see it on the show. I was so mad at her effort. She goes, well, just don't tell me anything anymore. I said, well, I won't tell you anything anymore. Um, because it sounded kind of grandiose, something he prophesied over me when I was very young and he didn't know me. But he was talking about how he learned an abiding anointing. When he was divorced and his children were going crazy and his wife had gotten on drugs. He talks about this openly. And there was so much going on. He'd lost everything and made some missteps, etc. He said he realized that he worked under an empowering anointing for years. If you've ever been to service, it would come upon him and empower him. But he said he couldn't even pray. And the Lord said, because you've lost your abiding anointing. You know what abiding anointing is? It means I'm up at the beach at 6 o'clock, walking the beach, singing the praises of God. It means that I'm turning into the Word for five minutes a day. That I'm learning that above all, I need to abide. God made sure Elijah was abiding in the anointing. So when the empowerment came on him, because empowerment comes and goes. Any minister will tell you, we minister under great anointings. That's empowering. The Spirit of the Lord is on me right now to preach but when it's done I'm going to go home and sleep like a little child come on somebody but the abiding anointing hangs with you the abiding anointing reveals your weaknesses to you your abiding anointing comes in and says you got to take care of that anger come on now girl you've got to take care of that mouth that mixture of emotions but I love that Jesus said he was the vine and we are the branch and as long as we're joined to him we will abide and we will bear much fruit somebody give Jesus praise and in the desert I'm speaking to some people this I feel like we go in and out of desert in times in the desert you learn that abiding anointing in the trial in the hard places you learn how to abide when nobody's cheering you on when you're by yourself in the midnight hour and TV won't work phone won't work I remember my phone's being disconnected in California when I was married to a drug addict. That man died, and he was resurrected to be the famous Pastor Hank. But I remember having no one to call. I remember no phones, no car. I remember walking to church one Sunday morning to lead the children in Southern California, the church where Jensen eventually took over. And I remember calling out to God. It is in those moments you are made, my brothers and sisters. It's in the moments that you learn to abide in Him. Everyone likes a show, but I'm telling you, the abiding anointing will prepare you for what is to come. When nobody can pray with you, when you can't get a hold of anybody, when what's going on in your quacky mind, come on, somebody. You don't even want to tell anybody, but you bring it to Jesus and you tell Him in your mind that abiding anointing will keep you going in the wilderness, in the desert in the mountain in the valley it will keep you all the way to glory somebody give God a hand clap of praise hallelujah abiding in him Elijah would see that abiding anointing he learned in the desert when that miracle of oil came 
with the widow at Zarephath. You see, when you've been through the desert and you've learned to abide in him, I'm speaking to you and to myself. You will able you to see more than enough in times of lack. That anointing will allow you to see more than enough. That anointing that you learned by being with Christ and worshiping him today and just getting filled with his presence, it on your life will cause you to see that when dead things look like they're dead, like when Zarephath's widow's baby died, her boy, and Elijah raised him from the dead. In times of preparation, you will be able to go forth and comfort those who say, I'm afraid my sin. That's what she said when her son died. Prophet man of God, you've come to call my past sins into account. And he said, no, I haven't. I've come to raise your son. You are called and anointed to speak to those who say, my sins are haunting me. I think I didn't get the job because of what I did 10 years ago. Even Jesus chooses not to remember what you did 10 years ago. And if you can't stand up and say, I've called you to life and I've called you to victory. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise and to speak life and not death. To say to those who feel their future is over, be strong, strengthen your heart. The Lord God is a sun and shield. Psalms 84, he gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. When you've been in the wilderness and you've walked into a body, you can be like Elijah. I'm calling his miracles because this has to do with you. You can come up to a Naaman who's full of the leprosy of sin and your time of preparation will say to that person that says, I'm too far gone. I've done too much. No, you'll say, I know it sounds crazy but I'm asking you not to dip in the Jordan seven times I'm asking you to dip one time there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains somebody give Jesus a shout of praise hallelujah Pressing through those times, anointing, that abiding in the anointing. Brother Benny Hinn said something, I must move on. But it was, it was mind-blowing. And part of this was cut out. So I want to tell you, he called back and said, well, you cut part of that out, but not this part. He didn't even know Catherine Coleman. He had sat in her meetings. As you know, Pastor Billy, one of my elders, knew her well and ministered with her. But uh, he was called in to do her funeral. And he, he said, why me? And Maggie, uh, her assistant, Catherine Kuhlman's famous assistant, Pastor Billy talked about her, we watched him recently, said, listen, Benny, don't you go up there in that room and overthink. Because it's not in your prayers. It's not in your ability. Benny, it's in your surrender. And if you go up there and you start thinking and overthinking and thinking and overthinking, you're going to come down here. It's going to be a mess. People came from all over the world to Catherine Kuhlman's funeral. Perry, I'd rather preach to seven dogs in the desert than to preach Catherine Kuhlman's funeral. Come on, somebody. People came from everywhere. And he got up there, but he did what she said not to do. He overthought. He tried to work it up. He tried to think what he could do and think what he could do. And he got up on stage and it was a disaster. A disaster. And he cried out in front of everybody, Help me, Jesus! I can't do this. And then the Holy Ghost said, That's what I was waiting on. That's what I was waiting on. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It's not your prayers. It's not your ability. As good as that are, it is in your surrender, Tanner. It is just saying, I surrender. And there were miracles. The Spirit of the Lord tore that place up. People were healed miraculously at her funeral. But when you and I get so in our head, can I get an amen from somebody? And we forget it is in our surrender. Give Jesus another hand clap of praise. 
I believe one of the mighty things about this story that I read earlier is the Lord's provision and the Lord's preservation. Everyone say preservation. Preservation is powerful. It's a sign that God is with you. Deuteronomy 8 says, Remember how the Lord God to the children of Israel led you these 40 years to humble you, to test you, to see what was in your heart. Because I had to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord, your God, Pastor Ramon. And he went on to say, but during this time, your clothes, someone say your clothes, did not wear out. Your feet did not swell. That is preservation. Preservation means God is with me. There's a voice in my head that tells me I've been knocked out of the race and it's never going to happen to me. But I want to tell you, I'm still alive and God is preserving me. I woke up with breath in my lungs. Come on, somebody. Sign of preservation. Think about it. You that did drugs, when you were lost from God, just lost in sin, God kept you alive. And when that voice says to you, you say, you know what? In the wilderness, when I was broke and divorced and waitressing at Holiday Inn, God made sure I had a bed to put my head on. God made sure that people gave me money. People looked at me and said, it's over for her. She's got a call to preach, but she's divorced. I remarried Pastor Hank in case you missed that story. But it's over for her. But God kept saying, you say whatever you want. I'm a heavenly Boaz and I'm writing this girl's check. You just keep counting her out. I'm just going to keep pulling her in. You just keep saying it's not going to happen. I'm going to keep raising her up. I'm going to tell you you're here today. You are preserved and favored by the Lord. That means he's not giving up on you. Somebody give him a praise. But I think when you're in a time warp your vision gets cloudy. The adversary is against you. And signals keep coming, saying to you, there's more going on here than meets the eye. And God said, yes, there is. Isaiah 30 and 18. Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Therefore, that he will be exalted, that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. I'm going to tell you this moment, you're waiting on some things. I'm, I'm getting to the end of the sermon, but there's, there's still a lot here. So don't be, don't be overly impressed. Um, They're like, wow, we're going to get lunch early today. She's been on vacation. She don't got nothing to say. Um, I got way too much to say is the problem. But, you know, when you're going through and you're thinking, when you're going through it and you're waiting on something and nothing is being seen that God is moving, don't overlook preservation. Don't overlook that God has preserved you, that you were able to pay your bills. And you know what? God will openly favor you in front of others to a degree that you can hardly believe it. He will continue in the desert. And God fed, we're getting to that part where he fed Elijah. This great Elijah will come to that point. He's on Mount Carmel. I love just to preach this part. In fact, Brother Perry, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when we stood at Mount Carmel and you look out, you can see Geddon, um, right? Yeah, yeah, the valley. You can stand up there. I thought that was so cool. Perry caught that to our attention. You can see that valley eventually where Armageddon will be fought. But I love it. He's such a bold prophet. Out of nowhere, prophesies in the rain. I'm trying to get to the point I want to get to, but I can't stop here. And that is, he stands off the prophets of Baal. He prophesied it wouldn't rain, and then it didn't rain. Then he called everybody to Mount Carmel and said, Come on, you wicked witches of the north, the east, and the west. Come on, you prophets of Baal. 
hell. Come on and meet me. I'm telling you, God still has a remnant that will stand up against the voice of the age, that will stand up to the who who wants to control us, that will stand up against the liberal agenda of the woke. God still has a people that will stand up and say, you serve who you want to serve, but America was founded in God we trust. And we're going to stand for what is right. We're going to stand for what is holy. We're going to stand for what is good. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated. And he said, if Baal is Baal, serve him. That's a sermon within itself that all of us preachers could tag till about tomorrow. We could just do an eight-hour sermon. But he stands them off. He stands them off, this great prophet. I'm saying this because I want you to get this because he was a man with a nature like ours. Because in a minute, he's going to want to die. And this is God's way of freeing you and I. This is God's way of saying, I use humans. I use people with emotions that are depressed. I use people with emotions that are insecure. Emotions that just say, God, I don't want to kill myself, but I'd rather die. I'm not the only one that in certain moments of my life, I never wanted to kill myself, but I said, God, just take me. If this world is like it is, I didn't want to leave my kids, didn't want to leave my husband ever, but God, just take us all. You ever called for a family rapture? Come on, somebody. We're just going to go up in a family rapture. The Davises were so dedicated to the Lord, he just took them up like Enoch. They walked. Five of them and a little girl just walked to the kingdom. Pastor Hank beat us to it. Anyway, but there they were standing it off because he's going to want to die in a moment. And he prays and he taunts them. It's a great story. Read it. Because they do everything. They cut themselves. They hurt themselves. They chant. There's so much I could say right there. They're horrendous and horrific, and they're occultic in their practices. They're horrible. And he just starts yelling back at them. Just get this visual. Maybe your God is in the bathroom. That's why he's not sending down fire. You look it up. Maybe your God, I mean, he's gone so far, he's raging with a hand. He's empowered. See? He's empowered under the anointing. You ever been in a Holy Ghost service and felt like you could run on the roof? I have. You ever been in a Holy Spirit service? I've danced. I've chased people half my age around the building. Don't freak out. I'm not going to do it. But that empowering anointing. I prayed for a thousand people in uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, at Aqua Defont Church. And they said, all of them want you to pray for them. I started one end. My sweet Kendra just followed me as fast as she could. And we went. When we were done, I mean, she grabbed one arm. Someone else grabbed the other arm. I think it was Susan. And just tried to get me because I couldn't stop. I'd been praying. That's the empowering. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. When it comes upon you, it doesn't always look like that. Sometimes it's whenever you go to ask your boss for a raise. Come on. Sometimes the empowering anointing is for you to be kind to some dirt bag. Okay, not dirt bag. Sometimes, sorry, sorry, Jesus. I need to go home and abide, Brother Perry. Sometimes that empowering anointing comes on you just to not give people the, praise the Lord, finger on the interstate. The empowering anointing 
helps you to love the people you couldn't love, the empowering anointing. And he's under the empowering anointing, and he's going like crazy. And that's what it was in Puerto Rico. We, Kendra and I still talk about that occasion. My dear friend Kendra and how it was done, we just looked at each other like, I, I, can't, I can't breathe. I don't even know where I'm at because they were lined up. But I'm going to tell you, there was not one left standing. That wasn't the goal, but that was the empowering anointing. Come on, somebody. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Because, Britt, that anointing comes upon you for practical purposes, to pick you up and carry you through what you could not go through. It gives you the anointing to speak before bankers and presidents. It gives you the anointing to ask for favor from people that you shouldn't have favor from. I have felt that that power anointing at many times, and I have felt it before bankers. When I heard the Lord say, don't fear about what you're going to say. I'm going to give you the words. I've already worked. You remember the story of my banker catching me on TBN with you, Brother Perry, and him tearing up a note that he wasn't going to tear up. The empowering anointing comes on you. It helps you to raise godly kids. It helps you to be a good worker. The empowering anointing picks you up when you're weak and says, my strength is perfect. You are mine. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. So you know what happened. It was his turn, and he said, put water on the wood. (laughs) We hadn't made it hard enough for our God. You, You just went and cut yourself. You screamed. You did violent things. You went around, 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 around the mulberry bush. You've just done stupid things here. You witches of Baal. That's what they were. Warlocks and witches. And he said, you've done all you can do, but now I'm going to call on Elohim, the God of Israel. And he said, but it's not hard enough for him yet. I love a God, Michael Cook, who says, this miracle is not big enough for me yet. I'm just going to wait for a moment. I'm going to stand back before I hang Haman on the gallows. I'm going to wait a moment before I turn the tables on this thing. I'm going to wait a second because I want this to give me the glory. God is not jealous for people to praise him. He's just God, a God who does all things well. So if you're still waiting for a miracle, maybe God is waiting for it to boil over just a little bit so no man can take credit that all the credit and the glory goes to God and to God alone. Somebody give him a shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. 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 And God brought fire and he consumed it. Elijah killed all the prophets and then he went to look for rain. That's another story. I'm just trying to get you to the sweet spot where I feel like God tenderly wants to speak to you like a father. And here he is. He, the fire comes down. He kills the prophets of Baal. And then he goes, he sends his servant to look for the cloud, look for a cloud, finally sees the cloud the size of a hand, man's hand. And he says, the rain is coming because he has said it's coming. The Bible says that the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. That empowering anointing came upon him and he pulled his, his garment up 
and he began to run and he outran Ahab's chariots because as he began to run the energy of God I'm telling you I'm looking for a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these days that we are going to be strengthened to run with horses and contend with enemies I'm looking for a supernatural outpouring of the wind of God and the power of God that we are consumed with energy none of this exhausted anymore none of this tired none of this I don't know how I can keep on going I'm looking for an empowering that says you know what you're going to outrun everybody around you not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts hallelujah even so Holy Ghost even so and he outran them Josh if you would come help me if you'd come help me Tanner we'll wait on the team but he outran them things are going really good here I mean it's going fantastic I'm so glad it didn't end here because I might read into it and think I'm not like Elijah. I'm scared of the prophets of Baal. I'm scared to stand off to the, whatever that filled into you. I'm, I'm concerned about doing this. I'm concerned about being bold. And it might have been at that point if they had just left it there with him outrunning the chariot. Sometimes we wish God didn't put things. In fact, Brother Hen spoke about a few things. And later somebody said, I'm surprised he told that. And Joni said, thank God he told that. Thank God he told that. Because he can't help us if he doesn't tell that. And just things that he went through, etc. And I love it that didn't leave it there. Because he started running and he was out running the chariots. And things were going really well until, someone say until. That old wicked Jezebel. She said, I'll say my words. Hell will freeze over. And heaven will come to earth if I don't kill you. If I don't do to you what you did to my prophets. See, she claimed them as her prophets, the prophets of Baal. That shows her origin. Don't name your dog Jezebel. And don't ever be taunted by Jezebel's spirit. Because Jezebel's spirit is not just out. We always say Jezebel's spirit just wants to kill men and women of God. No, no, no. Jezebel wants to kill the work of God. The work of God. The work of God. Jezebel wants to kill salvations. Jezebel wants to kill healings. Jezebel wants to keep, kill community uh, support and love and a church that worships that Jezebel spirit. And Jezebel yelled at And here's the man who had stood them all. Lisa, here's the man that had stood there and taunted them. Here's the man came up from the wilderness and felt that empowering anointing. But in this moment, the Bible says he arose and ran for his life. Someone say for his life. Because what he heard is what we often hear. What you did to the enemy, I'm going to do to you. When you're trying to do the works of Jesus and heal people, 32 years of pastoring, I've heard so many people say, I'd get more involved and I'm afraid the enemy's going to come after me. Brothers and sisters, the enemy's going to come after you. You're better to get in the middle of where God's called you because the safest place to be is the will of God. Can I get an amen? The safest place to be is the will of God. It's when you run from the that you better be concerned. How could a man who a few hours before witnessed fire at Carmel, miraculous drought, uh, was fed by an angel, or was going to be fed by an angel in a moment, but had ravens feed him earlier in his life? A man who had raised the dead. Because James said he had a nature just like mine and yours. Anybody but me glad that the Holy Spirit doesn't show the world your inside emotions? Anybody glad your thoughts aren't on a billboard here in town to look at? This is Pastor Rhonda's thoughts the last 24 hours. Oh, my God, she's crazy. You know, because we are human nature. 
we get in situations and we think, why do I feel this way? Why, why do I feel this way? And he ran because he had a, a nature like ours. He ran to Beersheba, and it was said in that time of Palestine from Dan to Beersheba. That was kind of like the perimeters, like from Pope County to Bradley County. Just kidding. From Dan to Beersheba is how they define Palestine. He ran as far as possible, then he went even farther into the wilderness, the Word of God says. He left his servant, and most scholars believe that the servant was the son of the widow of Zarephath. So he left the evidence of his last miracle and went off by himself. We need to be careful when we leave the evidence of the last thing God did for us that we know no one could take credit for, and we leave it and we walk away from it because when we do, we'll become isolated. The Bible says rehearse the mighty acts of the Lord. Someone say amen. And he sits down underneath a broom brush. That is a rotana rotan shrub that grows in the wilderness south of the Dead Sea. And he said, I'm no better than my father's. You know what? You know what Abba wanted to say to him? I never wanted you to be better than your father's. You are just like them. That's why I chose you. And sometime in your moments, you think, I'm no better than Grandma Hetty. She was crazy. I'm crazy too. Come on. I'm no better than great granddaddy. He was an axe murderer and adulterer. I know it's coming for me. You know what? At some point, you got to realize God knew what he was getting into when he called you and he called me. And he knew what he was getting into when he called Elijah. And he has not changed his mind. But Elijah put expectations upon himself that God never put on him. You and I do the same thing like Benny Hinn going up there and trying to overthink his mind and overwork it. And it was a disaster. God is looking for surrender. Surrender of humanity. God never wanted him to be better than his fathers. God called him out of the wilderness, out of the drought to be his voice. The Bible says that this rotana, rotan, however you say it, look it up. It reaches 10 to 12 feet high. Someone say 10 to 12 feet high. Look at God's preservation. It was a grateful shade in the desert to him. He sat down under it, tired. Psalms 121, we sang about it this morning. The Lord watches over you. The Lord stands as your shade at your right hand. Anybody ever been in a tough spate and you felt like the Lord was your shade? Anybody ever been in a tough moment and you felt like the Lord brought that weariness to your soul? I love it that God doesn't say to him what my parents said to me, us that were raised with whippings. Can I get a hand from anybody that was raised with whippings? Oh, yeah, bring it on. I'm going to give you something to cry about. I was like, you just whipped me. What else are you going to give me to cry about? I'm hurting terribly with that belt, with daddy's belt. Mama was the one that administered it. I'd say in grace, but it's more in judgment and condemnation. I'm just kidding. But God didn't, she didn't. God didn't say, I'm going to give you something to cry about. God didn't say you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And God doesn't say to you and I this morning, you ought to be ashamed of yourself that you're dealing with that emotion. You ought to be ashamed that you're dealing with that fear or that isolation. You should step out of that. No, he says, take it easy, son. Lay down and rest. Lay down and sleep. Lay down and let my angel cook you some bread and bring you some water. I love it in that moment because it probably reminded Elijah of the brook Cherith when God fed him. Don't you love it? This last week, Joni and I sang songs. I mean, um, 
own songs of faith. We just get to singing them and the other two would join in. We'd go from song to song. Then I'd say, oh, I sense the presence of the Lord in this condo here on the beach. Because those songs remind me when I first came to Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you that are older, it may be the songs we're singing now. But sometimes when I'm overwhelmed, I'll stand in my den and say, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. You remember that? I can feel His mighty power. I can feel rush angels. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I'm taken back to a child. Hearing the older adults pray in the spirit, praying for each other. I'm back to a child in junior choir with little Billy Jones, welcoming the Holy Spirit. I'm back to a time when you thought the adults had everything under control and you were just a child. Those songs of faith, I'm sure when the angels fed him, it reminded of him when he first came out of the wilderness. Sometimes we need to go back to some of those songs and just sing them. It's coming to church this morning, I sang Jesus. You're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment, your hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like the abiding anointing when you begin to sing the songs of faith and you are reminded that He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He renews your strength. Even when you walk through the desert valley, the Lord says, do not be afraid for you are close beside me, says the Lord, and goodness and my mercy shall follow you. You may be bone weary. You may be awakened by the presence of the Lord. You may not see an angel like Elijah, but you will begin to sing and you will begin to praise and you will say with a psalmist unless the Lord had been my help my soul would soon have settled in silence. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me your comfort delights my soul. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. What God was saying is, I'm going to feed you. You need to rest. You're going to journey. Little father, I want to show you I'm I'm in control. Jezebel screamed it, but I'm in control. Your journey is too much for you. His perspective got distorted. And often I found in my life and those people that I love and help, our personality quirks, our weaknesses, we just think I'm no better off, our fatigue. Elijah had to get his eyes back on the Lord who had called him. And he goes to Mount Sinai. One of the most beautiful interactions to me is a theophany. It's the most known theophany. A theophany is when you see God meet with man and you can see it. And God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love that because God knew the answer. It's kind of a rhetorical question. Someone asks you a rhetorical question to get you to talking. He wasn't like a parent. He wasn't like a school teacher. What are you doing? What are you going through? You see, in our isolation, Laura, in our fear, in our hesitation, in our battle with depression and adequacy, God says, why have you gone into the cave of isolation? Why are you in the cave of fear? 
Why have you backed up? And now you're living in the cave of inadequacy. Why? I'm not asking you so I'll know. I'm asking you so you'll tell me so I can do something about it. I imagine some of us would answer and say, I'm tired of taking care of everyone who's taking care of me. I'm tired of trying to fix everything. I'm tired of keeping dinner on the tables, giving gas in the car with some problems in our society. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. I'm insecure. I'm afraid. I'm facing off my emotions, Abba. I'm facing off my fear in this cave. I'm facing off my weaknesses. God knew the answer, but he wanted Elijah to tell him, just like this morning, he says to you and I, why do you keep backing up? Why do you keep going in the cave, little Rhonda? I say little because my friends think I'm short. That's okay. Why, back up. Why do you keep backing up, little Rhonda? Why do you keep thinking you're not enough? Why do you keep being afraid? Tell me about it. I know what you're feeling, but I want you to tell me so I can do something about it. God wanted the opportunity for Elijah to get it off of his heart because Psalm 62 and 8 says, Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Is there anybody in this room that has ever poured your heart out to God? If you have, give him the praise he's deserving of. I'm, I'm not far from ending. It's like Jesus said on the road of Emmaus, why are you so sad? And they begin to tell him because all these things are happening. They killed our Messiah. They do it. I love it that God, Jesus just opened his arms and pardoned them. Richard Foster wrote something that just stayed with me my whole life. He talked about a father with his two-year-old son going through a mall. Anyone's ever had a two-year-old say amen. And the little two-year-old is just screaming. I mean, he's going wild. You know the kind you don't even want your mama to see? And the whole mall sees it. And he's frustrated. He's sweating. He's trying to get through the mall. And all of a sudden, he tightened his grip on his little boy. And he began to sing real off-key. I love you. I'm going to sing off-key. I'm so glad you're my boy. You make me laugh. And everybody started looking more. He kept singing it. I love you. I'm so glad you're my boy. I'm working hard off key. And you make me laugh. From store to store, the father just kept singing it. While people looked at him, while the little boy was just screaming and yelling. By the time they got almost to the car, the little boy had gone down to like. <laughs> and he put him in the car seat. And the daddy buckled him and got in the front seat. And then the little boy said, sing it to me again, daddy. Sing it to me again. I tell you, there are days we not only disqualify ourselves with our actions, our emotions, and everything in us, and we think we are unworthy of God. On these days, we need to hear our Abba Father, like he said to Elijah. Tell me again, we need to say, sing it again to me, Abba. Tell me once again, Abba, how much you love me. I'm embarrassed at my emotions. I'm embarrassed at my thoughts. I'm speaking for all of you, not for me. I'm embarrassed of all of this that I've gone through. I'm embarrassed with all I've had to battle. Oh, Lord God. Oh, how many times I said that to me. Just remind me that I belong to you and sing over me. For the word of the Lord comes to us from Zephaniah. For the Lord your God has arrived to live among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will give you victory. He will rejoice over you with great gladness. He will love you and not accuse you. Is that a joyous cry I hear? No, it is the Lord himself singing over you in happy song. Stand up and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And I'll finish while you're on your feet. Come on. Come on. Give him a hand clap of praise this morning.
And then comes that famous moment, I'm going to pray over you. When God sent the wind, God sent the earthquake, and God sent the fire. But God was not in those. That's kind of what Elijah wanted to happen to his enemies. But then a still, small voice, like a whisper. We don't know what he said. It's like a, some scholars say, like a light breeze. All we know is Elijah heard it. And he wrapped himself, his face in his mantle. And he came and he stood at the entrance of the cave. In one whisper, God can draw you close to him and draw you out of self-pity, discouragement, and depression. In one whisper, God can speak truth to you about your situation, resulting in new vision and the peace that passes all understanding. One loud, threatening scream from Jezebel sent an anointed, strong, loved prophet running to hide in a cave. One gentle whisper from God Almighty who loved and brought the prophet out of the cave, out of discouragement, out of helplessness. Listen for his whisper. It's time to come out of the cave and into destiny. Can you say amen? Into destiny what he was saying is let's get back on track I'm going to pray over you but what he was saying he gave him a plan he gave him new vision Elijah had gone in as you and I go into that cave of hopelessness that cave of discouragement and God says come on come on come on come close to me let me sing over you let me remind you how much I love you and then I'm going to give you the pieces to the puzzle he told him to anoint Hazael a king of Aram he told him to anoint Jehu king of Israel and to anoint Elisha as his servant and then he said, and this is for all of us in this room this morning. We're going to shout about this and then we'll pray. You are not alone. Elijah said, I'm the only one. That's what you feel when you're backed into a corner. I'm the only one that's standing for God. I know you've been there. I'm the only one that's doing anything. I'm the only one. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overtired. Nobody will help me. But then God says, oh, no, no, no. By the way, after you go and anoint these people, I'm bringing some people with you to help you. But after you do, I want to tell you, I've got 7,000 people in this country who have not bowed their knee to Baal. You are not alone. I'm going to say, come on, give him praise. I'm going to say to you this morning, we are not alone in this world that looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket. There is a remnant who are rising in the land. Heaven is fighting for us. From the peaks of Minnesota to the plains of Africa, from the ice-crowded Antarctica to the heat-blazed South America, God has a remnant that is rising. And if He is for us, He is more than the world against us. Give Him praise this morning. Come on. Give Him praise. Every hand lifted. Lord God, Elijah went up in a whirlwind, but what we're asking for is a wind of your spirit. We're asking for an Acts 2 kind of wind to come into our church and to our communities. We want to see the manifestation of your spirit. We want to see miracles. We want to see deliverances. We want to see our women and our men prophesy, our young ones dream dreams, our old ones see visions. We want what happened on Pentecost to happen even more. They said it sounded like a mighty rushing wind, Lord. Elijah went up in that whirlwind, but Lord, we're asking for a different wind. 
We're asking for a wind that comes and moves among us and brings prodigals home. We're asking for a wind that brings healing and salvations. Lord Jesus, this morning for every man and woman in this room, Lord, I pray they would hear you, Abba Father, calling them out of those locked places, those fear and isolation, that cave that we get backed into, Lord. Maybe it's our, our consciousness about ourselves, whatever it is, Lord. Whatever, maybe it's the person we work for. And Lord, we feel like we're backed into a cave. We're overwhelmed with responsibility. I hear you, Abba Father, saying, tell me about it. I hear you, Abba Father, saying, give it to me. Let me call you out of the cave. In Jesus' name, as every eye stays closed this morning, if you feel the Spirit of the Lord just compelling you just to take a step out into your destiny, I want you to come and stand in these altars. That's the first group that I'm calling. You just feel a stepping out into your destiny, possibly out of a, a cave. Or say, come on, come on, come by His grace. There's others. Just come on, come on, come by His grace. Come on. You know, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. To join these, I believe there's a, a few people that you're dealing with such an impossibility. It may not be you. It may be a child or something else. But you just, as you heard God's power today, you feel compelled to ask him for a miracle. If that's you, come and join these right now. Come and join these right now in Jesus' name. You need God to move something. Amen. God bless you. 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 I want the team to join Josh and the prayer team. Come and help move among us. Anyone here wants to pray? Michael and Lisa, would you come help us pray? We're going to move among you. Anybody else that wants to come, Pastor, if you want to help, we want to pray. Would you guys just sing something? whatever comes to you. Would you worship? We're just going to take a few minutes here. We want to pray with these. Would you stretch your hands this way?